Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are talking about Kimmy, the new HBO Max film from director Steven Soderbergh. We're talking about Uncharted, the video game adaptation from Sony. And we're talking about Studio 666, the Foo Fighters film. Uh, we have seen all of these movies in some capacity or the other. Believe it or not, we uh, actually split up the last two. Uh, but we have seen all of them. I'm excited to talk about it. We're going to talk about Andy's special eyes. Andy has LASIK. That's yes, right. and I want to hear right. a full review. I, I want to get the details. Laser vision. I'm, I'm glad you're doing okay. I'm glad you could see. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of a concern, so uh, it came out on the other side all right. And uh, we also got to talk about the news. First things first, uh, Sonic movie is getting a sequel, and we haven't even seen the previous one yet. This is, uh, I guess, not a surprise to maybe people who are... Uh, up and up on children's films and why when they do well, they get sequels pretty quick. But this might be a surprise for Sonic fans. Yeah, so Sonic was one of the last movies to come out before the pandemic started. Um, came out, I think, at the very beginning of March or very end of, of February um, 2020. And it, it was one of the last films to, to really get that big... Uh, audience and it was really successful made it 320 million dollars uh, globally uh, and it was a hit certified hit and not long after they greenlit the sequel which uh, i think actually comes out in the next uh, month or so and they anticipate its success so much that they're already planning a third one and a sequel for the the villain known as knuckles Right, voiced by uh, Idris Elba, who will will be uh, voicing the character in the in the live action series. Um, you know this this is a bit of a surprise, I say to Sonic fans, because many of you may not may not remember, but when the original trailer for the original Sonic movie came out, that was widely heralded as a really bad thing. Like that the Sonic design was terrible. Paramount spent like eighty million or something going in and reworking the whole movie and redesigning the CGI on the Sonic character, uh, and it paid off huge dividends. And I think that's I think that's encouraging on the film side of things because studios can see, okay, hold on, if we listen to people and uh, maybe, you know, lean into what fans want instead of trying to go in a bold new direction, sometimes it'll pay off for us. Good for them. Um, I am I am surprised to see they're making like spin-offs though. That 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 feels fast. The second movie's not even out yet and they're already on their way. Right. Well, uh, this is going to lead into our, our second story, but uh, Paramount is doubling down on streaming, and part of that is, is content, and you got to leverage the properties you have, particularly the ones that are successful, and uh, you know, Sonic is one of them, and, that, and that's what everyone's doing now. That's what Marvel and Star Wars have done. They've leveraged their films into successful TV shows, so that's it's the fad. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea. Sonic's been a multimedia property, you know, ever since it's, it's ever since its success on the Sega video game systems. Uh, there have been cartoon shows, there's been comics, um, you know, action figures. I would watch. We're talking about the movies right now, so like, I think it makes sense that Sonic maybe fl slides over there, and I'm glad they've found a bit of a direction. I'm curious to see if Nintendo will have the same success when they kick off their Mario movie. Um, Let's we'll see. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think Nintendo has been leaving money on the table for years, and I know that they had, it was rough in that, you know, in that first Mario Brothers movie from the early they 90s. They tried which, with Bob Hoskins and John well, it's, it's so weird. It's some like post-apocalyptic Mad Max it's level weird yeah. children's movie. It's just like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Um, but yeah, insanity. I mean, it, it, the, yeah, the live action or, you know, animated film of video game properties is ludicrously you know successful so i hope nintendo has a good experience next time around 
Dennis Hopper as King Koopa. Yeah, it, it, it was bad. Uh, but speaking of that Paramount, uh, Par- Paramount going in on things, we were talking about Paramount's investor day, and that leads, like you said, perfectly into our second story uh, about Paramount doubling down on streaming. And additionally, uh, Wyatt's announcement about a Star Trek, a new Star Trek movie has been surprising to the people who were involved with the previous Star Trek movies. Uh, Andy, have you read this one or can I spill the beans? Because I'm excited. Yeah, go to talk ahead. About go it. ahead. Go ahead. All right. So so I found this on Twitter. I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it, but I thought it was really interesting uh, at Paramount's uh, investor meeting on February 15th. And they announced a bunch of new stuff coming out like Sonic and the Sonic TV show they're going to make and m- more Star Trek content because they're killing it with Star Trek Discovery over there. J.J. Uh, Abrams, the director, comes out and announces that they are, he says, quote, this is his quote from on February 15th. Quote, we are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on a new Star Trek film that will be shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast. Says this to the investors, says this in front of the cameras, in front of God and man, we are getting a fourth Star Trek movie starring Chris Pine and Carl Urban and Zachary Quinto and Simon Pegg and all the classics. It's always sell down. Everybody, everybody we like, right? Well, it turns out nobody who nobody who's in any of those movies had any idea this was happening. None of them have heard anything. Uh, multiple talent agencies have reported uh, on behalf of Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, John Cho. None of them are involved in any kind of Star Trek movie that's supposed to be shooting by the end of the year. Like, they have shoot schedules. This isn't how movies are made. <laughs> You can't just announce that you're making a movie. Say what? Yeah, and nobody knows about it. Um, really odd. Really odd. So I, I love the confidence coming out of Paramount, but um, man, some of those promises might be a little emptier than people think. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I mean, it's exciting. The Star Trek reboots have been uh, really well done and really successful. I think it's part of what why J.J. Abrams got to do Star Wars uh, when when he did. Um, but also Paramount is is really going all in on streaming. They have roughly 60 million followers or subscribers now. They want to aim to get 100 within the next several years. Um, so they're going to be, you got to heavily invest in, in content, which is great for us or anyone that has Paramount Plus. Uh, rough for investors, though, because it definitely it cuts in, into profits. Like it's very expensive to do streaming, but it, it's also very profitable. So we'll we'll see what what all they come out and if they can compete with the big boys yeah, and whether or not this actually the Star Trek movie actually comes out. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, some quick numbers: Star Trek Beyond, the last movie in that little new Star Trek franchise, made three hundred forty-three million worldwide on a budget of one hundred ninety million. So, you know, a little less than double its money. Not great, obviously, but obviously part of the reason why we haven't seen a new feature. Reportedly, this new one, Star Trek Four, has uh, WandaVision director Matt Shackman set to Shockman set to direct, which is not bad because WandaVision was pretty good. So, keep it here on Oscar for more from Paramount and Star Trek. And one more thing, Andy, I don't know if you know about this. Did you know that the world is on fire and people are mad at each other in Russia? Uh, <laughs> Did you yes, hear about this? Yes, yeah, since, since we last spoke to the people about yeah. World Cinema, um, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine and uh-huh. is attempting, <laughs> we're trying to not start World War III. Uh, that happened on Thursday. That's only, I can't believe it was only five days ago. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what a week to take the show, take off from the show. <laughs> right. It, it's been a whole whole thing. Uh, there's been lots of uh, protests, boycotts, and sanctions levied against Russia, and part of that is by the uh, film and entertainment industry. 
Yeah, and, and that's something that I thought would make a good segue into talking about this in the show. Obviously, this is not a show where we cover, uh, you know, hot, hot, hot issues of, of the world and global politics. But uh, this one stumbles into movies a little bit. Uh, apparently, Paramount is the latest Hollywood studio to pull its upcoming movies. Uh, the Lost City starts Andrew Bullock and Channing Tatum and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 from release in Russia. As they continue invading Ukraine. They're not the first to do this, actually. That started with Disney, who decided that they were going to pull the release of Pixar's Turning Red in Russia. That movie's just not coming out there anymore. They said, until this whole Ukraine thing settles down, y'all don't get to see our new kids movie. Uh, Which is, you know... Uh, encouraging, I think. But to follow that, suddenly Warner Brothers comes out of nowhere the next day and says, well, you're not getting the Batman anymore. You can't see the bat because you're I'd be so mad. Oh, my God. (laughs) Imagine. Yeah. Batman might might end this war. Batman may (laughs) single-handedly end the war. And then shortly following that, Sony announces Morbius is no longer coming to Russia. So... After that, Paramount has jumped on board. Uh, the Lost City and and uh, Sonic Two are not coming to Russia. Fortunately, Russia's chock full of piracy. That, that's that's like their favorite thing to do over there. That and, and I, I mean, I don't know a lot about Russia, but there's a lot of pirates. So the people who want to see these movies will see them. But you know, interesting. I mean, Sony's Morbius coming coming to fight for the oh, Ukraine. No. Who who saw it coming? Not, coming to, coming in the yellow and Morbius. blue, clad and yeah. Morbid. No. I saw there was like a, th- a final trailer. I was like, really? It's been two, literally two years of this movie. Dozen trailers for Morbius. I've seen every I've second had, of footage. I've seen the trailers. I've probably seen the trailer as many times as the runtime of the whole movie is by now. Yeah. Like they're going to start pulling. <laughs> They're going to have to start pulling shots out of the trailer and like reversing it or flipping it upside down or trying to spoof people into thinking it's new footage they haven't seen before. Like they could, what else can they show? They've shown the whole film. Like I swear I've seen that whole movie. Um, You know, people are saying that movie, we've been talking about the show. People are saying that movie might do good, by the way. I don't know if you've, you know, any thoughts on that? Sony has only been successful with all their comic book stuff. Even, Even if they're not great movies like Venom, Venom 2 pretty mediocre uh yeah obviously the spider-man in conjunction with the epic you have been huge but I, right. I think that they might just be able to you know ride the coattails of more successful franchises yeah people have been surprised at, at uncharted success at the box office but it's because it comes immediately after tom holland's hot streak in another sony movie spider-man no way home morbius does not have tom holland in it but it's got a bit of that spider-man juice and it's sony i mean uh, who knows like we might we might see a bit of a surprise anyway we got that has nothing to do with with russia and and sanctions i guess uh but and any hot takes on uh I don't know. well every, every little <laughs> bit helps you know anything that um I mean, Russia is facing much more serious, uh, you know, things like hits to their banking system, uh, like the ruble is kind of worthless right now. And so and every little bit helps to, you know, pressure the country. Yeah, I I think that's that's what's important, right? Like it's it's I've been consistently surprised with this and then looking at um, the work of protesters in Hong Kong over the last couple of years, how how like modern warfare evolves over the use of like technology and time um you know simple things like yeah pulling pulling major films from release in response to to wartime activity 
it's small, but like it makes sense, and and it seems maybe a little silly or maybe even a little petulant. Like really, movies aren't going to come out in Russia now, but you know, yeah, every little bit helps. It's serious stuff, all right. So uh, you know, go 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 Ukraine. I think I think we can say that on this show, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I could. Yeah, I feel like we're pro, pretty pretty anti-war here. Anyway, uh, with that being said, we should move on to our first review of the episode. Andy has, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put in the spot. Andy, do, do you got a summary ready for this or should I tell I you? Am, I am prepared. Oh, thank God. He's <laughs> <laughs> graciously agreed to take the summary on this. Andy, please take it away. Kimmy? Kimmy? I'm here. What time is it? It's 7.26 a.m. So this is the latest uh, small film by director Steven Soderbergh starring Zoe Kravitz. Uh, not as Kimmy. Uh, Kimmy is actually a device similar to Siri or a Google Assistant. Um, Zoe Kravitz plays Angela Childs, who works uh, for this company, works with this device. Uh, uh, she's kind of a shut-in. She she has a nice apartment, but she, she doesn't. She has huge anxiety, doesn't like to leave, like won't go outside. Um, but but she's really good at, at her job, and part of what she does is just kind of integrate with the D- Kimmy device and helps kind of clarify language and confusion, uh, that sort of thing. She's like the personal element that helps that whole run. In the middle of her doing her job, she overhears what she believes to be a crime uh, taking place. It gets recorded on one of the devices, and uh, she feels she has to act. Uh, she needs to get get the recordings get them to the authorities but that in, in, involves her having to leave having to kind of face some internal and external fears uh meanwhile bad agents know that that uh these recordings exist and that's and that she has them and so they're after her as well so it's this little thriller film that uh, during the pandemic very small scale um that's our setup zach what'd you think so this is definitely a, a movie to be thought of as produced during the pandemic. It's it's hard to ignore, um, you know, the, the first two, most of the movie, I should say. I don't, I don't want to specify where and when and what happens in the film, but most of the movie takes place in a single location or just a few locations. You have people calling in like via webcast or, or, you know, via zoom or some kind of zoom alternative. Like it's, it, it, it feels pretty apparent over time. Everybody's wearing face masks. If they're in public, it starts to become very apparent that like the trappings of how this movie were made have shaped the larger film. Um, but I think it kind of works to its advantage. Uh, Soderbergh has leaned into this, this idea of a character who's a shut in, um, as 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 like a functional part of who they are, who's also functioning in the pandemic, and I think that makes it feel maybe relatable to those of us who are a little younger and like like technology and don't like going out. Maybe like listen to our podcast, like Off Script Film Review every Tuesday. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review. Um, and and I I like this kind of modern world that this movie's in. Uh, it does feel small, you know, but but for what it is, I I don't I don't mind it. I, it reminds me of of other pandemic early pandemic films like Malcolm and Marie, um, you know, on the good slide of that and not like that one we watched on HBO starring Anne Hathaway that I can't remember the name of. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, what movie is that? Bre- oh, I think Breakdown, Locked In, Locked Out. Locked Out? Is it Locked Out? Something, <laughs> lockout, it's something like that. It, 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 it had like a Lockdown, I think is what it was. It was yeah. a, because uh, it, it had like a pandemic-esque. Yeah. 
it had a pandemic esque uh, yes. title. Same kind of thing, but super forgettable. I would slide this more into the memorable side of those movies. So I think that's a decent way to start, albeit clumsy. Um, Andy, where do you want to? I mean, where do you want to jump in on this? So let's see. So let's start with, with the good. My my overall feeling is that I kind of couldn't get in into this. I, I just couldn't get so it just felt too much like a TV movie. It is a TV movie. Um, it is really well directed, though. I think Zoe Kravitz is, is really good as the main character uh, of just kind of she plays this tech nerd, but she also has these really strong anxiety, like debilitating anxieties. Um, it's shot with a lot of handheld. I believe there's a lot of tight shots in her apartment or just other buildings. It's very, it's very few locations. It's basically her apartment, an office building and some small places kind of in, in between. Um, so I think the directing is good. I just couldn't really get into the story very, very much. I, like I said, it felt just kind of felt like a TV movie. Yeah. I, I I'm in the same spot. Uh, I think this movie is very well made. I think it's not, super well written and that's just because it had to have been written in a world where you couldn't get a lot of people together on set you're using closed sets small crews you know low budgets like that's what this was Soderbergh shot this as a bit of an exercise in creativity while he was trapped during the pandemic that's why Zoe Kravitz got on board like that's that's fundamentally what's going on here the filmmaking present here is really good. I mean, lots of Dutch angles, lots of crane shots, lots of really clever rack focuses, like I good lighting. Like Kimmy's apartment is where most of the movies happen at Kimmy. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz's apartment is where most of the movies happening. Angela, or, that's where most of the movies happening. And her apartment's full of texture and color, lots of brick and wood, and she's got lots of, like, cool paintings up. It's one of those apartments that, like, no single person could ever afford to live in, ever. Yeah. Like, her her, her her dad was a Rockefeller or something. Like, that's the only... But, but whatever. Like, outside of that. Um, very large, lots of space. And, like, it's a really cool setting to shoot in, and it feels like Soderbergh really moves the camera around. I mean, all over that apartment. Like, it's not just shooting lots of coverage, wide frames, like... So it feels sincere and like it creates a lot of tension whenever she starts to kind of unravel this mystery and suddenly that camera pulls in closer and the apartment feels a little darker and she hears something across the way like what was that and like it it, it makes use of the space really effectively. But in later scenes when we start to move outside of that space um, that's where it feels like it starts to kind of fall in on itself and it's like this feels just like a a cheaply made movie. Whereas before it was feeling like a, a, a strong independent creative project. And like, that's, that's the line. It doesn't do a great job of walking towards the end. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's an issue of budget is the biggest thing. Cause yeah. everything feels uh, like the bad guys feel like budget bad guys. And the very, very much faceless dudes in, in black suits with ties. Like, yeah. And, and um, the whole film suffers from that kind of on a budget. Yeah, and it's a shame because because I I really do think it it puts its best foot forward at the beginning, even though it's simple. Like this woman kind of being trapped by the pandemic, but also like her kind of agoraphobia and her fear of the outside world, like is compelling because she has a reason for that. Like, and and that's something you start to figure out over the course of the film that oh, okay, she's not just weird. She there's a particular reason she is this way and that defines her character and that's something she's struggling to overcome. And like that that makes for an interesting performance from Zoe Kravitz, who is very good in this movie. Um 
but it it's it's hurt by the the world expanding like as it as it starts to grow larger you you start to feel that runtime and it's only 90 minutes like it's now yeah. it's 89 hour 29 minutes with credits but like it still somehow starts to feel like it drags like it really feels like this would have been tighter as like a 24 minute short you know like a really tight yeah. efficiently edited uh, uh beast so so one of my issues is that it just it's supposed to be a, this thriller this like you know com- coming to get you thing and it just it just never feels you never really feel like the character in, is in that much danger you know i was thinking of uh, i was actually reminded of no country for old men because of how how like how much how suspenseful that movie is at, at, during this like cat and mouse chase that happens and there's a little bit of that kind of idea happening here it's just not scary again these the, the, you, you got budget goons with their budget like intimidation at the budget office and it's just <laughs> and, yeah and she's, Climb I mean, she, budget she's cannon and put on your job budget helmet and fire <laughs> off in the budget land yeah budgets girl budget these so yeah. so that's the only issue it's just it's supposed to be a suspenseful thriller and it's just it's not very suspenseful you're right i i think it has good tone like i i guess i like the way it's shot i i, I like the presentation um and one of my favorite scenes, and probably one of the most thrilling in the film, unfortunately, is when she initially finds kind of the breadcrumb that starts the mystery. When she, when she finds this kind of unique, unique piece of audio uh, and 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 plays it back, and and the way that piece of audio is presented is really clever. It's it's a scene that's very quiet, and as soon as she hits play, it kicks in music and tempo and mood and feeling. And then just as soon as it's done, it's over. And she's suddenly immersed in silence again. And it like it goes back and forth between that a few times and like really starts to ramp up this feeling of tension. And it's a bummer that unfortunately, like it doesn't actually, at least to me, lead to anything that's like really satisfying on the end of that. It feels like it puts its best foot forward, and that's a shame. Um I I, I don't mean for that to sound like a spoiler, but uh I, I felt like it was so much stronger in its first act than it was in its second, third. And that's rare to say about a movie. I, I don't often feel that way. Yeah, Lee, the, the setup is interesting. Uh, one of the things that I thought the movie does really well is there's a lot of tech stuff going on, a lot of looking at screens and pointing and clicking things. And I thought it did a really good job of keeping that to a minimum and, and really making it, but also making it very clear to the audience what's happening, but not like, you know, oh, just staring at screens. <laughs> oh all day so i thought that that part was, was done really well and it's again yeah it, it's setup is 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 interesting and but yeah you're like it's 90 minutes and it feels too long yeah it's also got an interesting interesting soundtrack uh much of the movie isn't scored it's just quiet and and that's not bad per se because it'll it'll do a lot of visual storytelling like you'll be very focused on the visuals and you won't have to worry about uh, you know the world building or, or tone really a lot of that comes in the like the technology stuff Angie just mentioned when Kimmy is kind of first arriving at work um you you kind of discover what she does for a living how she how she processes these these requests from her company remotely um entirely visually and she doesn't explain to another character oh here's what I do for work or she's not telling her mom like mom you remember what I do and then telling her everything like we just get to see that visual exposition it's something Soderbergh brings in like really effectively and and the technology is 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 portrayed that way throughout the film when she's texting somebody when somebody sends a message like it feels smart it feels contemporary it feels biting it's efficient um the rest of the movie doesn't feel that way <laughs> 
like the yeah. the plot doesn't feel that way and it's a damn shame too because like i don't i don't know how how that went wrong it's it starts off real strong um i just didn't feel like it got to where it needed to go but it was well made you know it was, it was well it was well shot yeah like like it hits all the 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 script beats like you know she she kind of discovers the crime by the end of the first act uh she tries to act on it and get um you know get some help and things kind of go you know you you see everyone's kind of like um no we're not going to report this but thanks for bringing it to us uh so it hits all the beats it's supposed to hit by you know kind of script writing guidelines uh but like i said i I think it really just comes down to budget you do the same movie on a bigger budget better actors in all the roles a little bit better writing um and it'd be a lot better yeah, it's got a bit of a rear window kind of appeal, but I, I do like its core its core kind of hypothesis against technology, right? If you have a device like an Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant, Siri, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bixby, and, and, you know, one of those overhears something, you know, bad, overhears something it shouldn't hear, and that audio gets sent to a technician for review – what does that mean right does the tech do anything about it is there any kind of law enforcement or is it just oh we didn't hear it we move on um but it doesn't it doesn't really have the opportunity to probe at that in a more thoughtful manner other than just kind of initially posing that question and that's a shame um i don't know what exactly i needed it to do but it felt like it wasn't i, I don't know i well, i, I liked it, its, its initial approach it just it didn't feel like it went where it needed it's to go. kind of walking both sides it's showing like the both the good and bad uh, because at the same time like the device is always listening but on the good side the, on the positive side the device is always listening yeah so you know, you know it's, it's instrumental to this crime yeah <laughs> that's kimmy andy any other thoughts for a final review um i think i'm ready andy would you recommend kimmy I would say it's already on streaming, but I would say save it for streaming uh, for sure. <laughs> if you're a fan of Zoe Kravitz and you got 90 minutes and you're looking for a short, tight uh, tech thriller, sure. But it was it's, it was a little lackluster for me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, it's quick, which is nice, and it's it is thoughtful. Like if, if you're gonna watch one of those, if you're looking to like run a clinic on movies that were made in the early pandemic. Uh, I would put Kimmy up up high on the list of ones to watch. Like, I do think it's well made, it's thoughtful, it's good creative exercise. And if you like Soderbergh, you're gonna like what you see here. But, eh, eh you know, eh, we're not we're not in that stage anymore. We're, we're not we're not trapped at home. Like, we have other things to watch and see and do. Uh, and this one just isn't quite as thoughtful as I think. It didn't land for me in the same way as I think it was intended. So that's Kimmy. It was okay. It was okay. It's available on HBO Max if you want to watch it. It's ninety minutes, pretty harmless, and and yeah, it's it's not it's not poorly shot, but it is uh, it is a film. And with that, we should move on to our next review. Uh, I'm going to be taking the summary on this one, so please excuse my clumsy delivery for this micro review. This is Uncharted. There are places out there you can't find on any map. They're not gone. They're just lost. So, Uncharted is the video game to film adaptation of Sony's Uncharted series on their PlayStation line of consoles. Uh, These games started with Uncharted, followed by Uncharted 2, 3, 4, and a little DLC for 4. So there have been four of these games that have come out. And Uncharted, the movie, is a writer's take on kind of the best parts of those four games. Just like 
plucked out of each one. They'll take a scene from one or a relationship from another or a character from this one and kind of run them all together in a blender to make kind of a, kind of a fun adventure franchise film. It is a uh, adventure movie a la Indiana Jones or Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Uh, Uncharted follows Nathan Drake, a young American adventurer who is uh, searching for the treasure of one of his long lost ancestors, uh, Sir Francis Drake. He carries a... Uh, 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 a ring from from Sir Francis Drake with them that says "Sick Parvis Magna" Magna on it of uh, greatness from small beginnings, uh, and him and his kind of older mentor Victor Sullivan, uh, played by Mark Wahlberg in this movie, are hunting for the treasure of Magellan. It's going on in Uncharted. Uh, Nathan Drake is played by Tom Holland, coming fresh off the set of uh, uh, Spider Man. He actually shot this movie prior to Spider Man, believe it or not, uh, and releasing it now is just a clever bit of marketing on Sony's end. Also stars, oh God, what is her name? Uh, Sophia Lee is Chloe Fraser. Tati Gabriel is Braddock. And Antonio Banderas is a very interesting villain, uh, Santiago Moncada. Uh, I watched this one. Andy did not have the opportunity to see it. So normally I'd ask Andy what he thinks, uh, but I, that he didn't see it. But I do want to take a breath to, to take take a moment to take a <laughs> breath and catch my coffee, drink my coffee and figure out my thoughts. So Andy, any initial impressions on this one before I jump in? Have you played Uncharted? I mean, I, what, what yeah. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I have not played the series. Uh, I've heard really good things. Uh, I've heard a, a few reviews uh, of this, and it's been wildly successful, um, but it, it's one of those... Uh, it's a combination of a number of movies. It takes things from, like, Indiana Jones, uh, the... What's the movie where they steal the Declaration of Independence? National Treasure. <laughs> National Treasure. Uh, you know, it's kind of an adventure movie that borrows from a lot of things goonies even uh it's not as good as any of those movies and it's kind of the plot is a million things going on and kind of is all over the place but it's entertaining yeah i think that's probably a great spot to jump in on the film so thank you for that uh yeah uncharted is uh, oddly very similar to what andy just said it's it's the sum of a lot of action adventure film movie parts uh, crammed together to make something that's pretty much pretty entertaining, but ultimately like pretty harmless. And that's that's what this movie is. Uh, it walks a fine line, Uncharted, between like a cheap video game movie cash in idea, like Laura Croft Tomb Raider, and a clever, thoughtful Sony picture character picture like Spider Man No Way Home. Right? You've got Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg bringing in a little bit of the Spider Man fun. The two of them are a lot are great. They bounce off each other in the script. Uh, uh, if you haven't played the games, Nathan Drake is like 30, 35 year old adventurer, and and uh, Victor Sullivan is supposed to be like 55, 60 year old uh, older adventurer. Who the two of them adventure together, and and Sullivan kind of you know has has some ins and some experience. Nate Drake is like the young kid coming up, so that's supposed to be the setup. In the movie, uh, Mark Wahlberg is not, he does not appear to be 55 or 60. I'm sure he is, but, you know, he obviously looks a bit younger, does not have the gray hair or the gray mustache of our Victor Sullivan in the game. Uh, and and rather than being kind of this smarmy, sarcastic with a grin, you know, elbow you in the ribs, uh, grandpa kind of character, uh, Mark Wahlberg comes, it comes off as just kind of like the asshole uncle all the time. Uh, he kind of just reads like a like a bad like a, like a dick a little bit. He's he's charming for what it's worth, but like he's definitely 
he's definitely ruthless in this movie, uh, a little bit more than the character typically is, but a friend to Nathan Drake and, and ultimately like a positive force for the audience. You enjoy watching Mark Wahlberg in this movie. Uh, Tom Holland plays Nathan Drake, who obviously is not 30 or 35. Uh, I think Tom Holland's what, mid 20s? Yeah. Um, playing he a little younger. Like a teenager. Yes, playing a little younger as well. Yeah. Uh, and he is he is kind of on his first grand adventure out out in the open as Nathan Drake here in the games you you played Drake Drake has understandably been exploring for a little while but this is kind of his first foray into it. It's smart uh, when they were putting this movie together they've been working on Uncharted for God probably a decade I mean I don't want to say a decade but a really long time they've had a number of directors and stars attached to it for a long time Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play Nathan Drake. And then over time, I think Robert De Niro was going to play Sullivan for a minute. They had Nathan Fillion going to play Nathan Drake for a little while because he looks all like the original character. Things got jumbled. Directors moved on. People moved on. Ultimately, Mark Wahlberg landed in the Victor Sullivan role, which is odd. And it kind of works. Uh, you got Antonio Banderas playing this, this this kind of villain character who's who's you know tr- ruthless and evil in a very like twirl your mustache way and ultimately you got a script that's like two hours long that just sees our characters going through a series of adventure set pieces they've got to steal a, a precious jewel from from an auction right an auction heist and then there's a car chase and then there's a a plane thing from one of the games where one of them almost falls out of a plane and then they go to an island and they have to get a boat and like it's, it's very much just a series of like one after the other a- adventure vignettes. That's that's what you're getting in Uncharted. And in between that, you have your characters jabbing at each other with sarcastic sarcastic line delivery that's pretty solid, you know, pretty pretty good. And it makes for a script that, that is pretty efficient. It makes for a plot that moves through a lot of fun set pieces. And it ultimately makes for a film that's got pretty good pacing. And if your movie's got good pacing and you got characters who are fun to watch and you got set pieces that are fun to look at, like you got a movie that's kind of fun. I'm not going to say Uncharted's good. <laughs> it's well, I'm going to rephrase that. I'm not going to say Uncharted's fine. great. I will say it's good. I do think it's good. I think this movie's fine. Yeah, I, I think this movie's pretty good. Uh, I went and saw it with Christine. She's probably going to be mad at me when she finds out I reviewed it without asking her to come on and join me, but it's fine. She'll catch me for the next one. Uh, yeah, I, I think Uncharted is not so bad. I played a bunch of the games, I should say. I don't think you have to play the games to get into it. Um, I don't think you're going to be hurt by not playing the games. Uh, this movie does a pretty good job of kind of plucking Nathan Drake's origins and dropping them in the movie in a way that's, that feels thoughtful. Um, and, and, and taking the elements from the games and kind of putting them in here in a way that, that feels, um, you know, good. It doesn't, doesn't feel forced. It moves a little quick. Sure, it's a video game movie. I, what, it's got a couple plot holes? Sure, it's a video game movie. Like, those are things that you're going to have in Uncharted, but, like, it's just harmless enough, and it's just, like, relaxed enough that, like, I, I don't I mean, care. It, it I, looks I had like fun the, watching Uncharted. It's yeah, a it looks film. like the kind of, th- like, it does what it says on the tin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the poster features, uh, yeah, a, a very poorly photoshopped Tom Holland falling out of a plane. Like, it's very obvious what's going on here. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's it's supposed to be a goofy popcorn flick adventure movie. And, like, that's kind of exactly what it is. It's not perfect. It's got problems. But it's uncharted. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't fault it for being exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's not, it's, you know, it's not great. It's not going to have a script that's going to knock you, knock your socks off or anything. But, um pretty good tom holland's pretty good at it mark Wahlberg's pretty good at it. uncharted uh andy any any hot questions for me before i jump into my recommendation i'm ready, I'm I, know ready. I know it's coming at you fast uh andy i think i would recommend uncharted actually 
Uh, maybe not for theaters if you're not looking for, you know. Save it for streaming. Look, listen, I, I'm going to recommend fans, it for... Is it fans of the series? Yeah, okay, sure, I'll take that. I'm going to recommend it for theaters for people who, like, just want to go to the movie and watch something mindless with a bucket of popcorn. Uncharted is your movie. Great. Like, you're, it's, it's, it's pretty self-contained. You're not going to have to worry about, like remembering stuff for a sequel uh, i think they're probably going to make one they haven't greenlit one yet but it seemed like this movie did pretty well at the box office um yeah it's it's fine you wait till for it to come home on streaming great you can watch it on streaming it'll be chill like it's it is it is you know it's it, it i don't know what am i looking at b grade action cinema like it's fine it's great it's uncharted like yeah. no no <laughs> problems we'll probably go see the sequel you know that's that's uncharted and uh that's uncharted now Something more important, much more important. I can't believe we waited till this long in the episode to get to it. Andy, we got a LASIK update. What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, you can see. I don't believe it. Look at this. Know, look, look at your special uh, eyes. I can see with my special eyes. You sure can. <laughs> so how long? When, when was Mostly. the procedure? So I got it uh, Thursday about a week and a half ago. So it's been a little over a week, almost a uh, full two weeks. Um, still in re still recovering. It, it okay. takes, uh, some time, uh, or, or the healing process is, is it's a process. It takes a long time, but you can, I mean, uh, well, let me just go through it. So, uh, day of you go t to the center, they, they prep you. The procedure is very, very quick. It's literally, there's two machines and they each spend about 15 seconds on each eye. The first machine cuts the flap in your cornea. <laughs> Um, which that machine's a little uh, uncomfortable, like that that one. Uh, that one's uncomfortable, me. huh? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Right. Well, because it like it 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 goes like basically directly on your eye, and it creates suction to kind of make your eye round, and then so it's, it's just you feel a lot of pressure. And it's not comfortable. Um, second machine is the one is fine, and that's the one that the laser that zaps your your reshapes your lens. Um, that one's completely fine. The only kind of disturbing thing is you could definitely smell your cornea burning. Uh, you, you like you get a little bit of that smoke smell. And I was like, they they need to rub some like Vicks under your nose or something so I can smell that. <laughs> Have that at the uh, door ready to go. Yeah, and these like I like to know all all the gritty details, like because they they didn't really mention any of this in 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 the the prep. But I would have liked knowing like yeah, this first machine's a little uncomfortable. You feel some pressure on your eye, but it's you know it's over after not too long. And like literally, as soon as you get up from the table, everything is like hazy, but like you can see, That's like weird. your vision's already. It's like, like somebody kind of dropped instant. a contact in your eye or something. Like you can yeah, yeah like there's a clear addition of focus that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, first day is is, is the, where you got to be the most careful. You basically just try and sleep as much as you can uh, so your your eyes will heal. Um, you know, th they give you numbing drops, and uh, you, that's the, the main thing is you got to keep your eyes lubricated a ton, so you got to uh, put drops in your eyes uh, almost hourly. Um, and then it's just kind of being careful, making sure you don't obviously poke your eye out or, you know, can't go swimming for a couple of weeks, uh, those sorts of things, no contact sports. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fabulous. Uh, and I did go see it. Studio 666 was the first movie I saw. Um, yes. With, uh, and that was fine. I could see everything really clear. Uh, there's still a little bit of a, I see a little bit of, of double, like a little bit kind of like astigmatism, but that's partially from the dry eye, um, which I actually had a follow-up today, and they said, you know, eyes are still a little dry. Make sure you might want to increase the, the frequency of the, the drops you're putting in. Sounds like they're in the but, pocket of big artificial tears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The artificial tears artificial are expensive. Tears. <laughs> I, how much are artificial tears? I got a box 
and I got like the store brand as many as I could, and it was it was like eighteen nineteen dollars for a box, and they're like single use things. I'm making them last though, but uh, um, but no, it's 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 really great, and it's it's amazing. Um, it it really is, and it just it gets my vision gets better and better every day, and yeah, I just gotta make sure that that don't don't let my eyes dry out. Because that's what I, when I went when they went in today, I was kind of having a little trouble seeing out of out of the right eye. As far as like when we did the eye test, and the doctor looked in my right eye, and he was like, "Oh yeah, there's all this buildup because it's because your eyes dry." That's I was like, "He's like, you're not gonna be able to see anything super clear." So, so it's already better just from making sure keeping my eyes lubed up. There's something so so funny to me about you having to go buy artificial tears, and when you go buy them, you decide to buy the store brand artificial tears. <laughs> like i don't know why like i just saving a couple bucks on artificial tears by buying like the knockoff brand is peak capitalism. oh i was it's doing so all great. kinds of mass so math because it was like okay there's there's <sighs> there's 25 in this box but it's this much but there's 35 in this box and it's this much yeah i was had the calculator out and everything so how long following the procedure i mean are you expecting like recovery what is that like four to six weeks before they're like you're good you can go swimming and, and hike in the alpines we don't care you know so yeah i mean those first two weeks are when you have to be the most careful uh, i mean if i wanted to go swimming i could start in a couple of days um i have another follow-up in about three months um and they said you know if i'm having any problems to come in you know before then but uh i think at this point i'm good to go they just said just keep on using the you know making sure using the drops a lot so i was reading what happens is that whenever they they cut the the flaps in your lenses your it damages the nerves and your your eyes don't know they're drying out and so they don't produce like the tears so right once it's healed up completely like they'll be they'll be fine but in the interim you just gotta use the drops a lot so that that's the update and it's uh it's pretty amazing all right I, i was i was able to enjoy bold cinema uh, yeah, for sure. I was gonna say a couple, a couple more questions, uh, a few more questions actually, because obviously, sure, I sure, let this sure. Go. Um, do you still find yourself trying to push your glasses up on your face? Not necessarily that, but I, I find myself looking for them a lot of the times. Like, uh, you know, I'm used to grabbing them right first thing in the morning, or when I get out of the shower, or like I'm used to taking them off when I like put a shirt on. And yeah. So like I, I keep like I reach for my phantom glasses constantly. That's uh, definitely happening. Initially following the procedure, you weren't supposed to look at screens for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Did you make it? Well, it was like 12. It's like 12 hours. <laughs> so no, <laughs> so I no, So no. Okay, great. Yeah. No, I mean, most, mostly because the, I, I would like, have made you, it 12 minutes. I would have been like, look at my phone. Like, oh God. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I did have to, like, I had to make a call right when I got done. So I did have yeah. to like, look at, look at my phone. I, but I still, at least I asked Siri to like get, you know, right. <laughs> to make the call for me. Well, that's, but, that's good. Yeah, but I, you know, the, my procedure was done around 1 p.m. Um, and then my ride came, stopped by the Taco Bell on the way home. Um, and they give you, oh, that's the other thing. They give you these goggles, these like safety goggles to wear the first day and also the at night uh, for the first week. So you don't roll over and poke your eye out. Are they like um, crappy uh, disposable ones that are like made out of free? No, plastic? they're they're quality. I'm keeping oh, really? them. I might use oh, yeah, yeah. Right. use. Um, but they're 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 tinted really dark, uh, you know. So because that's the other thing, there is a lot of sensitivity to light initially. Yeah. I still have a, a lot of that. As I definitely have my sun, sunglasses everywhere. Yeah. Um, so no, those. But I basically went home. I ate and I fell right to sleep. Uh, I woke up sometime in the evening, seven or eight. Um, ate some more, 
um and i think i put i put the tv on but i didn't like i just listened to it for a little bit um didn't like sit there and and watch tv just listen to almost like you would a podcast yeah uh and then i fell asleep again actually pretty early and then but basically by the morning i I was fine you know still not looking at a lot of screens but you have a follow-up direct the directly the day after and i went in and i mean i i was i could i drove myself you know i was able to to do that all right one more question uh and this is for the eyeglass wearers out there so i want to ask how uncomfortable it was like on your eyes but i obviously have never had lasik and can't really understand how uncomfortable it was so i'm going to ask you on a metric okay on a scale so on a scale of one to ten <laughs> one being all right I, 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 have a, I have a better metric before you, before you explain this ridiculous I think scale. mine's pretty good, but go ahead. Um, if you've ever been to the dentist, if you've, like, if you've ever had a, have a cavity filled, you've experienced like way worse than as far as, because some people are like, oh, you know what I was describing? And some people were like, oh, I can never do that. I was like, if you've gone, if you've had your teeth cleaned, you've experienced more uncomfortableness than it's. Really? Uh, yeah. It, it's not, and it's not so much, it's not pain. It's just like. You know, they put this thing in your eye to keep your eye open. That's not comfortable. Clockwork you know? orange, like kind of. Yeah, and, it, and it's like they numb your eye. So I mean, you don't. Your eyeball doesn't feel, but everything else does. Like your eyelids, where they like. Not to mention you see, like you're going to be seeing yeah, something. Yeah, that part me. doesn't. Right, and then the machine itself. There's a lot of pressure on your eye, and it's. A, I mean, I would. I would call it like, you know, a two out of ten. Okay. Well, that's not bad at all. I was going to say 10 being unbearable, unspeakable pain uh, and one being that feeling of air hitting your eye when you look down that machine at the eye doctor and have to look at a barn or like a hot air balloon. I'm talking about. Yeah, it's about. Yeah, it's on the level of that thing. Where are we at? Yeah, it's about like that. Okay, well, that's not bad at all. Then. Yeah, like that that thing sucks the first couple times. Also, but. it's I, I just wish I wouldn't. I'd like to know, like if I'm having a procedure done, I'll go watch a video. Like I want to know what's happening. Um, right. And they, and they didn't. <laughs> they probably don't do that because probably people wouldn't get as <laughs> wouldn't get the, the procedure as much. Yeah. But it was um, the first machine. I mean, it's in your face. It's weirdly claustrophobic, even though yeah. you're you're I mean, you're on a, an open table, but. Because it's in your face, like it makes you feel super claustrophobic. It's weird. Like I, I had to definitely just keep my tell myself to like keep calm and like breathe normally. Like it made me panic a little bit, but it wasn't like in pain. But it's just because it's like in your face so much. And well, you're a trooper, man. At some point, I think I might get mine done for Bold Cinema. But uh, thank you for going blindly into the night. <laughs> yeah, charging no, forward it, for the rest of us. Highly recommend. All right, well, shoot, that's that's all we can ask. With that, I've got one more thing to ask of you. I need to review for Studio 666. Uh, you went and saw this without me. You went to the, to the historic <laughs> Texas theater. Uh, uh, upstairs or downstairs? Upstairs. Ooh, all right. I heard start, you, I, start, I, start, I, start calling heard, at the fight theater. <laughs> I was going to say, I heard from a buddy of yours that y'all might have had a rough thing, screening. What was going on? Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy time. Yes, we saw Studio 666 upstairs it's that theater is very small and it's almost conducive to the uh what i'm gonna start calling the classic clown syndrome like it's just small enough that someone's just like people can decide like i'm gonna be a comedian and make this whole theater laugh um and some guy just kind of kept talking throughout the whole film he was like yelling things like let's go and then he was just kind of chatting the whole time and he got shushed several times and finally someone just yelled like shut up and like and then him and like they just started yelling back and forth at each other in the mid movie. And I'm like, Oh gosh, someone's <laughs> God. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and what well, was funny is like we we went with uh, Ninfa, who's been on the show before, and we were telling her about the first time when we went and saw Tombstone, and there was someone yelling that time, and I was like, ah, it's been fine since then. And then we had like an almost an altercation. I tell you what, they they really, I know I know they built that theater to sell seats. That's the whole point. But like, they got to limit seat sales in there. Like, it is not good with a bunch of people in there. It just doesn't work. Like, it's it's too many too many folks. I don't know. Uh, anyway, go see movies at the Historic Texas Theater. With that, uh, Andy, please take it away. Studio 666. Foo Fighters! You gotta get me a record. It's our 10th album. We gotta break the mold on this one. Let's out. So this is the horror comedy from uh, the Foo Fighters and Dave, <laughs> Dave Grohl. Uh, they play themselves. Uh, the This is very much... Uh, a kind of B movie, uh, heavy on the comedy, not so much on on the horror. Uh, the story is the band, the Foo Fighters, are trying to make their tenth album. They're trying to come up with you know concepts and things, and they get this idea to move into this kind of historic house that fictionally has like you know all these great bands that recorded here. We got to go there too. Turns out, of course, the house is haunted slash possessed slash you know kills everyone who who enters the band moves in things start getting creepy shaky there are a lot of gruesome deaths happen um th- there's funny things like uh there's a number of cameos but they they have this uh neighbor that's been there a while played by Whitney Cummings uh th- that's j- just it, the movie fills out a lot of tropes in, in that we see, that we know for horror and she's the uh kind of ominous w- warning like though the band who was here before they didn't make it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very self-aware. It's very tongue tongue in cheek. It it makes references to a ton of horror movies. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's hilarious. Like I laughed so much in the just like the opening like twenty minutes. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. A lot of jokes. Uh, the horror. It's not scary at all. But the horror elements are more in the uh, kind of body horror, grotesque, um, kind of that kind of 80s schlock. It gets really gory (laughs) in moments. Um, It's a little too long. It's like it's an hour 45 and it's like an 80, 90 minute movie. Yeah. Like it it needs to be it's B movie quality needs to be B movie length. Like it's (laughs) way too long. Um, Dave Grohl's fine as an actor, but the rest of the band is just kind of standing around and. That that's kind of another issue is that there's five, like five people in the band and they're kind of in almost every scene, and it just like there's too many. It ends up being just a bunch of people standing around or like two people acting and then the band reacting or standing like because you're trying to get the band in all these scenes and it's like it's just kind of too many people. Yeah. Um, uh, but it yeah it it was a lot lot of fun. Uh, we laughed a lot. It's just a little bit too long. Uh, John Carpenter is uh, not only reference he makes uh, an appearance and I think he also did part of the soundtrack. Wow, that's impressive. Um, you know, I talked for almost ten solid minutes about Uncharted. <laughs> and you you have moved through this in like less than three. I've got questions though, so good yeah, news. Well, yeah, yeah, micro review. I'm giving you the, the quick yeah, summary yeah. and the it's quick true. Thoughts. You're showing me up. God damn. Uh, okay, so yeah, here here's 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 the first thing. Are you at all a Foo Fighters fan? I mean, do you, do you know any of their music? Casual. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know yeah. a few of their their hit songs. I'm. I don't. Yeah. Did you feel like you were, I mean, how was, how was, how was the inside joke 
to joke ratio, right? Like, does it feel like, oh, I'm not a Foo Fighters fan. This doesn't make any sense. And additionally, was that guy was shouting in your theater? Was I assume he was a Foo Fighters fan, right? That's the deal. That's the crowd. That's no, coming I think in here. he just wanted to make make an ass of himself. <laughs> like Mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, no, th- there's not a lot of that actually. They, they other than them being the Foo Fighters, there's not. Um, uh, you know, there's not a bunch of inside jokes or you know references to this album or that album or or anything like that. Um, it's it's pretty accessible. I I think you know rock musicians and movies aren't aren't anything new. Um, and yeah, the, the, like the, it's really to serve serve the story of the 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 band moves into the house and the house uh, possesses Dave Grohl who goes on a killing spree. But it didn't feel like a screaming advertisement for the Foo Fighters. No, no, not at all. Hmm. That's interesting, right? Why? Why do you think they? I don't know. Why do you, Why do you think they made this thing? So I listened to an interview with with Dave Grohl, and uh, you know they, they'd done a, a lot of music videos, and like they they had this idea sometime during the the before the pandemic. Uh, he had had this this kind of idea of like band moves into a house and it's and it's haunted, um, and. St- they started talking about it more and he, he talked to some, some studio guys and uh, they were interested in, in making it. And this, this was supposed to be a short um, and it just kind of turned into a, a feature length uh, film. And, you know, because they're, I mean, he's hugely famous and successful. It was easy to get, you know, I'm sure they were able to find funding and get people on, on board with it. Um, Will Forte is in it and is uh, he's got a couple of scenes as a delivery guy that are, that are pretty funny. Um, yeah, it was just like, Hey, we had this idea and, uh, we were able to do it and get it made. Yeah. Uh, well, I definitely think that's interesting. Uh, it's a being touted as a horror comedy. Any, any musical numbers musical at all? I mean, are they obviously music's a uh, not, part of not, it? Not, yeah. I mean, not really. It's just them like developing songs for the album, but there's not like, right. They're not breaking up. Num- the, yeah. yeah there's not musical. Nu- yeah. They're not musical numbers. Huh? All right. Uh, did you finish this and at all feel the need to go? I don't know. Do you want to go get down on some Foo Fighters? I mean, no, like I said, it's more about them trying to record this, like a new album. And it's not about the music. It's, it's more committed much... to the story of the film than it is like the story of the band. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it references ha- Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Evil, Evil Dead. It, it's very heavy on, on the Evil Dead kind of references. Hell, Hellraiser. Um, I mean, th- there's a whole like they find the Book of the Dead in the basement. What, what I think is really clever is, you know, a, a lot of horror, just like Evil Dead or Hellraiser, is about like people finding a like kind of cursed object, uh, and the, the cursed object he finds is like <laughs> this like recording. <laughs> it's like a reel to reel, uh, you know, old. Oh, he found this old, you know, this old audio tape, and he plays it, and then gets possessed. Like it's that kind of it's perfect yeah all right schlocky and well yeah. that doesn't sound so bad I, I guess last question uh would you recommend it i would probably save it for streaming my main thing is that it's just too long and it starts to get to really drag in the like second and third acts opening it is fine and it's like you know like these aren't actors like they're the rest of the band is not and they're playing themselves but you know they're not actors i can't act right they're really not well. trained actors at all um, it just takes too long to kind of get. The, I mean, it, it hits the points. All, a lot of the horror horror movie tropes, a lot lot of grisly deaths. Uh, it just takes too long sometimes to get there. The other thing, it's like many horror movies. It's kind of all over the place with its own rules as far as like what's the mythology, what's the the curse, or you know, is the house possessed or are you possessed? Is it haunt? Like kind of everything going on. 
Um, so I, I mean, I think if you're a fan of like B horror cinema or a fan of the Foo Fighters, you'll, uh, you'll probably enjoy it. But for most people, I think I'd probably just save it for streaming. Perfect. Well, that's that's Studio Six 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 Six. Thanks for watching it. Shoot, I'm sorry I couldn't come out. Yeah, that was a wild night. Uh, yeah, and and with that, uh, what are we watching next week? It's time for the goddamn Batman. The goddamn uh, Batman. That's right. The Batman, Matt Reeves, Batman. Batman starring Zoe Kravitz, which we talked about this week, and Robert Battenson himself comes out this week. I'm yes. seeing in two. I can't believe it. it's two days away. Two I days know. Away we're almost me. there. It's crazy. Uh, I'm excited. It's it's going to be fun. Um, it's it's going to be too long. I know that already. Have you seen any early reviews? You looked at it. I've seen. I I've I try to avoid reviews, but it's possible to avoid like headlines, and that's one of the one of the headlines is too long. And I was like, my, well, it's yeah, three my, hour. It's three. My hours. favorite I, my I favorite review that. headline so far was "Holy runtime, Batman!" <laughs> um, but I honestly, I've 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 heard that it is properly paced for its runtime. I, I bet best best so far. I heard people say it's a three hour film that feels like feels like two. And those are the right. best three hour movies that just feel like, oh, my God, where the time go. So uh, hopefully it manages to catch that. But it's going to be fun to see a theater full of people. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah, should be should be a good time. Uh, if you enjoyed the show today, if you like what we're doing here, if you like what we're doing on Oscript, maybe want to find out more about the films we watched or tell us what you thought about the films we're talking about uh feel free to message us send us an email i wanted to say email us it started with an m i couldn't couldn't back out of it feel free to send us an email at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com check out our website offscriptfilmreview.com where we post full episodes interviews clips that kind of stuff uh, you can find us on facebook where we live stream the show every tuesday you can find us on youtube where we post our live streams we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on itunes spotify google play all the usual places you find your podcast but if you want to support the show the biggest thing you can do for us is just subscribe just subscribe to get brand new episodes of Offscript delivered straight to your phone every Tuesday we record one we love talking about movies and uh, you know we love that you hung out and listened and we'll be back next week with the Batman my god a, a red letter episode it's gonna be as long as the movie three hours for sure yeah. Um, my, my, yeah. my big question actually is when am I gonna get my second viewing in that's a yeah that's a good question can you squeeze in two before next tuesday you could if you time it right uh but that's gonna be it for episode 167 uh from all of us at off script the home of bold cinema i'm zach lewis and i'm dr draper thanks for watching